Thank you, Mary. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Passage of Scripture comes as no surprise today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this this morning. Is I know that uh, on every, any particular Sunday morning, there's probably about seven different English translations, uh, various modern languages and so forth. Uh, in our congregation. So, you know, which one would you choose? And that's why I always preach out of the New King James Version because it stays very close to the structure of the Old King James. Uh, but, of course, it keeps, uh, takes out some of the, some of the old English uh, words that sometimes may be a problem to translate. But for today, I'm going to read out of the Old King James. I'll tell you why. This is the Christmas story that I grew up on, and you probably did too. This is the Christmas story that was read even in public schools way back in the, the, the late 60s. And uh, this is the one that I came up on. And, the, and even though the old English is sometimes very difficult to wade through when it comes to some passages, in a passage like this, there's just some poetic beauty of the old English language. And I want to read the Christmas story in the book of Luke chapter 2. For our service this morning, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, would you stand as the scripture is read, please? And it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse, wife being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds, Biding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Christmas. For the Christmas story, we thank you that it is not just a story, it is history. We thank you that this happened. 
and we celebrate this happening. And we know that because of what you started through this Christmas story and finished on Calvary and the empty tomb, we can have hope and joy and peace and comfort. And Father, we can face life with all of its challenges, with strength. We ask that all of us here would know that as a reality, to know the beautiful Christmas gift of salvation through Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, when we start our, our Christmas messages in the, back in the first part of the month of December, we realize, of course, that God breaks the silence of 400 years with the Hebrew people. It had been 400 years, and there had been no inspired word from a prophet. God breaks the silence not by sending a prophet. God sends the unmistakable message through angels. Gabriel, no less. Angels, and the word angel means messenger. So those who received the message, it was unmistakable. This was straight from God, and God was breaking the silence. Once again, he was communicating with humanity. He breaks the silence, first of all, to a priest in Jerusalem, Zacharias, and then to an engaged teenage girl, Mary, in Nazareth. Then he breaks the silence, and the angel is sent to her fiancé, a very troubled young man wanting to do the right thing. And now he speaks again to humanity. The angel is sent to a group of shepherds. We'll look at just very briefly how God spoke to the shepherds. First of all, they were a very unlikely group. We look at the shepherds through the lens, of course, through 2,000 years of history of the 23rd Psalm and of Jesus' teachings as a good shepherd, and we think of shepherd in a very positive light. However, that day, shepherds were a very unlikely group that would get any sort of message from God or any sort of message from anyone else. Because of their work, they were out in the field seven days a week. They could not even take the Sabbath off. They lived outside, so they were, they were very hard and rough-looking people. They, they always weren't very clean, and they lived out in the field with their sheep, or they were considered unskilled, uneducated, unsophisticated, uncivilized. Because they lived on the edge of society, they were looked down on folks. And as we mentioned before, the elite in Jerusalem, uh, they, they had some particular measurements of who was imported and who was not, and the shepherds weren't on their list of measurements. And God comes to the shepherds, the most unlikely group, and once again, God totally ignores every symbol of status and importance and the measure of worth that society would place on people, and he also totally ignores the barriers that we would put between us and someone else and to look down on someone else and consider them of less worth. God ignores all that, and he goes through all of the different people he could go to to give the message of salvation. The birth announcement of Jesus was given to shepherds, and it was given in an unexpected time, the night shift. Now, some of you have worked the night shift, and the night shift is kind of that forgotten world in corporations. Uh, with my experience with Sharon being a registered nurse, and if you're nurses that work the night shift, 
on Nurse Appreciation Day, what do they usually do? Lunch for the nurses. And the night shift sometimes is forgotten. For those of you who might work the night shift in the corporate world, you're kind of on the edge of society because you're sleeping when everybody else is doing things. You tend to miss things because you're working nights and sometimes you're asleep. And, of course, those of you who are in law enforcement having to work nights, the night shift sometimes is that forgotten part of the working world. And so here we have the most overlooked folks in society, and then you have the group that works the night shift, and they were overlooked as well. These could have been the owners of the sheep. More likely, they were probably hired people to work, look after the sheep. And then, in the middle of the night shift, there's an unpredictable sight. The unpredictable sight, of course, is this. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now, we cannot appreciate that because we grow up in a world of light. It never really gets completely dark in our cities and sometimes in our homes because of electricity. We have security lights. We have night lights. We have lights in, in the streets and in the towns and so forth. We never really see it getting completely dark. When the sun went down in Bethlehem, it was dark. Now, I experienced a little bit of this, first of all, when I was a kid. And I mentioned this before when my, my grandparents lived down in Atlanta. I grew up in Country Club Terrace, El Dorado, Arkansas, and we had gas lights beside everybody's driveway. Nobody had a dark yard. And I remember that first night that we were finally old enough to spend the night at Mamma and Papa's house. Click, the lights went out. I had never seen dark like that. It was dark. Couldn't see anything. In about three seconds, I let Mama know we can't have this. I got to have a nightlight. It was too dark. Couldn't see anything. I'd never experienced dark like that. Fast forward several years later, took a trip to Ghana, West Africa. And we'd go to these villages. And there was no electricity in these villages. We would carry a, a generator and some lights, and we also had flashlights. Let me tell you, when the sun goes down in a village in Ghana, West Africa, it is dark. You don't know darkness like that. They were accustomed to that. Darkness is what they knew at night. It was dark. If you had any light at all, it was a lamp, and a lamp was more like a candle, and it would light three feet in front of you, and that's it. Maybe if you were outside and had to have some heavy-duty light, it was a torch, and it would maybe five feet. You did not know what was 10 feet away from you. It was dark. Now, right in the middle of the night shift, it said the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And we're talking about not just light, but light like we've never known it now. Even in our age of electricity and bright lights and LEDs and halogens and all of these things, we don't know light like the glory of the Lord. In the 104th Psalm, it says God is talking about the Lord and said you are clothed with garments of light. Later on, in the book of Matthew, chapter 17, Jesus was transfigured and the glory of the Lord shone through Jesus Christ. It says his face shined like the sun 
In Mark chapter 9, it says, his clothes were shining whiter than any launderer could ever make them. It was light like they had never seen in the middle of the day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in the night shift, watching after your sheep at night, dark, nothing but starlight, and then light like we've never known it, even today, lights up the nighttime sky. And it, you can imagine why they were very afraid. They were just terrified. This was the glory of God shining about them. And, of course, we mention all these tidings of good news, of great joy. But right in the middle of it, there's an unpleasant reminder. Now, you read through here, and we read through the Christmas story, and it's so happy and so joyful and full of hope. Where's the unpleasantness here? Look really close. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What's unpleasant about that? That word, Savior, to you. Now, why would that be unpleasant? Who needs a Savior? Well, Jesus said it this way. People that are well don't need a physician, but the people that are sick. And I've come to save sinners. So for the angel to come to the shepherd and say, unto you is born a Savior, what he's saying is you're lost. You're lost, and you need a Savior. You see, this was an unpleasant reminder, not unpleasant news. You remember when the angel came to Jesus and uh, came to Joseph. The angel came to Joseph said, you'll call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Now, the word sins here does not mean, like we would say, individual actions that we do. It talks about our condition. He will save his people from falling short of God's glory. Falling short of God's glory. And as I mentioned, this was not news to them. This was a reminder. Any Hebrew person would know of our condition before God. Look in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. Even as shepherds on the fringes of society, they grew up in the synagogue. They grew up here in the scriptures. They knew what the prophets said. And so this was something that they already knew. The angel was not bringing them news, but he was bringing them a reminder because sometimes we need that reminder because as humanity, sometimes we think we measure up. And we fail to understand that we need a Savior. Sometimes the most difficult challenge of reaching people with the gospel is to show them that they actually need a Savior because the whole idea is I'll get to heaven, I'll knock on the pearly gates, and Peter will come to the pearly gates and he'll say, well, I guess you were good enough and you did more good things than bad things and it'll all weigh out. That's not the way it is. We have to understand where we are. Where we are is this, and Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade like a leaf, and watch this. Our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Isn't that quite interesting? He didn't say our greasy, grimy, horrible sins are as filthy rags. 
He said our righteousnesses, the best we can do. And the word rag here means a garment. And it says all of our righteousnesses are like a stained garment, quite literally a dress garment. So I go to the closet, get out a white dress shirt, and I put it on. Unbeknownst to me, there's a big mustard stain right there. But the, but the shirt is white, and, it's, and it's, it's ironed, and it's pressed. It's going with me. Now, you might say, man, that's totally unacceptable. Hey, man, this is a good shirt. This, this, is a, this is a good shirt. I paid a lot of money for this shirt. It's the best shirt I've got. And it's ironed, and it's pressed. Yeah, but there's a stain on it. Aha, that's where we are with God. The best we can do still stained with sin. And we all or as an unclean thing. You back up to chapter 5, or chapter 59, excuse me, chapter 59, verse 1 of Isaiah, just a couple of, couple of pages back. Behold, the hand, Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you. He will not hear. So there's a big wall between us and God, and that that something is called sin. That's why we need a Savior. In chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's the unpleasant reminder. But you see, now we have unimaginable joy. Now, this message didn't start with the angels. It started hundreds of years before. And even part of this message is in this one passage of Scripture. Notice, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everybody's turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Back up two verses. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We did esteem him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The unpleasant, surprise, the unpleasant reminder was now given unimaginable joy when he said unto you is born a savior yes you're a sinner yes you're undone yes you're lost but unto you is born a savior that's why Jesus came is because we are incomplete without him we are unacceptable without him but there's the news unto you is born so he didn't just say a savior is born he said a savior is born for you he made it personal. Now we have a new hope, a new joy, a new destination. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new. There's a new destination. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. So we all know that that's all part of being saved is so we can be in that home in heaven. So they knew all that because they said, there's a Savior for you and he's born this day and God is completing his plan because God cannot leave things like they were with us being undone. And he sent a Savior. And then there's a new purpose. And this is where we don't want to miss this. 
The shepherds, their work was considered demeaning. And even though it was important work, a lot of times manual labor and things like that, folks tend to look down on that. They don't realize maybe that's so essential. And the work that they did was not as important as the work that maybe some of the upper class professionals did. And so we understand that they knew all this. They knew people felt this way about them. But oh, let me tell you, once they came to Jesus, and we know they accepted what the angel said, is because he said, this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped up lying in a, a manger. And they said, let's go. Let's go see him. Let's go see the Savior. They believed what the angel said. And they believed that that was the Savior. And they believed in their need for him. And they went to see their Savior. And when they did that, God changed their entire purpose in life. You see, their purpose up to now was to keep sheep. It's what they did. But now if you look, In verse 17, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. What was the saying concerning this child? Unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They went from there, and what did they do? They told the whole world, everybody they could tell, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, now their primary purpose in life was not to keep sheep. They were now doing the work of angels. The angel spreading the news of salvation. Now they're spreading the news of salvation. And now their purpose in life is so much greater, so much higher. They're doing the work of angels. Now listen, when we give our heart to Christ... And we surrender our hearts to his plan for our life. We're doing the work of angels when we share the love of Jesus and the message of salvation. You might think of your job and your station as nobody sees what I do and nobody appreciates my work. And I don't know if I'm making a difference in this world. And Have I really made a difference in my life? Yes, when you live for Christ, you're doing the work of angels. So now they had a new status. They weren't just shepherds. They were messengers carrying on the work that the angel had left them. And they had a whole new outlook on life. In verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned. Now, where'd they go? Where did they return? They returned to the same night shift. They returned to the same sheep. They returned to the same hard living conditions. None of that changed. They returned to the same horrible pay, but they were rejoicing and glorifying God. Nothing else changed except they had seen Jesus and they had met Jesus. And now they knew the joy of salvation. And so all the other conditions of life didn't matter. None of that changed. But even in the hard conditions of life, as a shepherd on the night shift, they returned and their hearts were glorifying God. And they were happy, unimaginable joy. Do, do you know that? Do I know that? Or do the conditions of life get the best of us? You see, Jesus Christ came that even though life is hard here, we can still rejoice in it 
because of what Jesus did then and what he has for us for eternity. So as we prepare for an invitation to him, I just ask the question, do you know the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ? Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be all people. That's us. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Do you know him? And if, if you know him, are you doing the work of angels? God has something for you in his plan. There's a message to tell somebody around us of the love of Christ. If you don't know Christ, let's take care of that today. If you just want to pray about something or somebody, you want to come up here and pray, let's take care of that today. But the main thing is, let's not miss the sure meaning of Christmas. It's to you and me, born a Savior, because we sure need that. As we stand and sing. Number 121.